This is the Crime Juicy Gang and the Crime Juicy Cocktail Hour. For our last episode of the season, gang, we're going to be talking about baby farming. Thank you so much for listening. Becca is going to give us a background. Baby farming is a part of human trafficking. Some common features of human trafficking include coercion, uh, force, that sort of thing. 20 to 40 million people are currently in modern slavery today. Human trafficking industry grosses around $150 billion in annual profits. Baby farming is part of this industry, but in many cases, it doesn't get counted as human trafficking because it's given the nod by government and religious establishments. When we first recorded this episode early on in the season, we, we, we lost it. We had to record this episode four times. This is the fourth recording. But then we did an episode with Swap Behind Bars. And it shed light on some human trafficking issues that hadn't crossed our paths. The statistics were from the Polaris Project, which is kind of at the forefront of the human trafficking nonprofit activism. After talking to the ladies at Swap Behind Bars, uh, the Polaris Project groups in consensual sex work with human trafficking has some problematic stats and approaches to addressing the issue. Another thing that we learned in that episode was that human trafficking definitions are very murky and demystify, like changing our views around what human trafficking is and looks like is really important to successfully addressing the issue. And one of the questions that Blair asked us, which I've been thinking a lot about when in researching this topic is, well, what's a pimp? Who is a pimp? And in this episode, I think we get the answer to that question. And it turns out that nuns are pimps. Candy. Well, a lot of but we're going to we're going to look at all, uh, some situations where I think we can very clearly be like, all right, that's a person selling another person, you know, and it, the, this topic definitely pushes the line of consent because A, we're dealing with children. B, we're dealing with highly stigmatized women who are in many ways coerced into situations where they have to surrender their child to this branch of human trafficking. Yes, the name baby farming was used as an insult back in the day. The historical practice of accepting payment, you know, for the custody of a child was brought up in the Victorian era. That's where the the term comes from. You could get a lump sum payment or you could get periodic payments, but we had people who would get this money and kill the babies. That's where that term comes from. Where we're applying this is in the modern day focus mm-hmm. with human trafficking in general. So just to make sure that we've got that kind of clear why we're calling it that, because it's still going on, folks. And in ways that would actually move and shake your whole being to a core for the fact that it was somebody that was just looking to do the right thing had to go through this horrific process because the quote unquote legal process is almost just as corrupt as the black market process, if not more. You are correct about that, Krista. That's for sure. Becca, can you start us out with the Philippines? What's going on down there? The Philippines is a nation that's been dubbed the baby factory. Teen and pre-teenage pregnancy is a huge issue there. There's not a lot of talk about contraception and sex ed in the country. Girls under 18 need parental permission for contraception and HIV tests, but the age of consent is only 12. There's a lot of misinformation about contraception. It's believed that it damages the uterus. Catholicism is a huge influence. Abstinence is what's taught. 
the church wields huge political influence over politics and has a fierce lobbying arm, which has led to very limited access to contraception. There are black market abortions, but there's a six-year prison sentence for possessing or using abortion pills. It sounds like when I went to school in Texas. Whoa. Uh, And it's so dangerous to get an abortion if it goes any wrong. The person who's performing the abortion is like, okay, you're on your own. Over half a million people get abortions in the Philippines and 100,000 get hospitalized from complications and many die. In fact, there's entire wards dedicated to post-abortion patients. One thing, you've got the situation where there's a lot of teen and pre-teenage pregnancies. Abortion's legal, so you end up with a bunch of extra babies. Abortion is very dangerous. Something particular to the Philippines that make this kind of baby farming, there's like an economic incentive. There's a um, necessity incentive, but also adoptive parents can be listed as birth parents on the birth certificates. You could just be like the biological parent. Babies get advertised on social media. I saw you can get a kid for like as low as six bucks, like USD. It's usually higher, but that number was shocking. Wasn't that more so in the Malaysia? So I think that was the Philippines. Uh, Malaysia, I think they're charging more because saw like, Oh, it can cost up to 2500 to buy a baby with all the falsified paperwork. Because, yeah, they got a falsified travel paperwork. Travel agencies you can walk into, but they're really not travel agencies. <laughs> they're baby agencies. <laughs> and I'm sorry to be laughing. Gotta laugh or you'll cry. In Malaysia, if you're an adoptive parent, you can't be listed on the birth certificate, but there's ways to falsify those documents. So in Malaysia... It's, it's also very huge. It's advertised on social media where customers can choose what parents will bear their kids. They've got situations where there's brothels where the prostitutes are also having their babies sold, which we'll get to again, kind of echoing that in the homes for uh, mothers and babies in Ireland that we'll talk about later. But kids that can't get to adoptive parents or sell, sold the sex traffickers, begging rings, that sort of thing. This is one of those... Times where it's like, if good homes can't be found, bad homes will be found. But there's also a complex legal adoption process, and that gives traffickers a market. You can choose babies online. They're cataloged on websites by gender, color, and race. Many of these, I guess, baby hustlers or I guess baby pimps, they don't work with local mothers because local mothers tend to ask where their babies go. And isn't it illegal to give birth there if you're a foreigner? Yes. In the Philippines? Uh, Malaysia. Yep. You not only were you trafficked into the country for prostitution and told something completely and totally different, you're forced to have a baby and then you're forced to sell it because if you, one, get caught with the baby, you get in trouble. And then add everything else onto it. Huh. So these women end up like illegally in the country working in brothels and they can't keep their babies because it's illegal for them to have babies in the country. It's just this whole process of coercion. It's a way to really capitalize on one. It's human trafficking at its finest. You get like the product and the byproduct. You can sell them both. It's the best of both worlds. Money some hand the, over fist. Some of the children that are born from these situations are not in the best of ways. No. And yeah, again, like if they can't be sold to adoptive parents, they're sold to sex traffickers and begging rings where they're maimed. 
There's like groups of housing for pregnant women, unlicensed shelters. There's also a huge stigma about getting pregnant out of wedlock. Women are either run away from home or kicked out by their families or they get brought in. And there's all kinds of ways where it's directly and indirectly coercive. During their pregnancy, they stay completely out of sight. They live secretly until they give birth. So it's a really convenient way of keeping someone imprisoned because they can't go outside because they're obviously in violation of the law because they're pregnant. It's a totally against their will, but they're in violation. That's the law working against again. Yeah. And then you've got the law that's are people within the legal, the law that are also complicit because you have to have the birth certificate under the adoptive parent's name. A doctor needs to change that on the prenatal records. And then fake documents are submitted to government registry and they issue a birth certificate with the adoptive parent's name on it. The money trail goes to high places right up to the country's national registration department. There are medical chains that do this on a regular basis. And they have national registration officers that they work with regularly. There's ways to pay people off on all along the chain. Wow. And then the adoptive parents aren't investigated. Like they don't do background checks to see where these kids are going because that's not the point. We have to have oversight on an adoptive parent. I mean, you just have to. Legal adoption companies still miss a lot of things. They're legally adopted to people who are straight up in pedophile child porn rings legally legally it's not a perfect science (laughs) i hate to put it that way but it's not no but i mean we gotta have we gotta have some kind of form oh my gosh something but even still everybody looks good on paper Oh, right. And then people that like don't look good on paper may actually be really awesome. And... In my time, in my time in property management, mm-hmm. that is one of the biggest things that I learned. Looks good on paper. We're usually the shittiest tenants. People <laughs> that were just looking for another, just that person to give them that one chance. Never were late on their rent, paid ahead, kept their apartments in working condition, never called us unless like the ceiling was leaking or it was Bad. That is my personal experience. Paper? Cool. Let me see you. Let me look you in the eyes. The, the other place, this one's really interesting and will also be echoed in both Spain and Ireland, is Nigeria. It's the perfect storm that, it's basically the perfect storm of uh, baby farming because there's stigma against childless married couples. If you're married without children, there's a massive stigma against you. You're suspected of witchcraft. Families pressure couples to get divorced if they can't have kids. And there's also a stigma of being a single mother and then abortion's illegal. So you've got this intense pressure cooker of supply and demand for selling babies and buying babies. And it's given rise to a lot of NGOs and religiously affiliated organizations that taken women who were pregnant out of wedlock take provide food and shelter in exchange for their baby they can like be sheltered and be and live in secret while they're pregnant and then afterwards the payment is the baby and uh, they do this through clinics where there's miracle doctors that works a married couple that doesn't have that can't have kids goes to a miracle doctor and the miracle doctor is like oh magic magic got you a baby out of these NGOs <laughs> and yeah and then but once women are in these NGOs if they change their minds about 
giving or these homes or whatever, if they change their minds and are like, no, I want to keep my kid, they're told that they'll be arrested if they go back on the deal, which isn't true, but they're in a really, really, really vulnerable situation. So they're lied to to get them to keep up with the deal. Uh, they target runaways. And even attorneys and activists have been threatened and intimidated by these trafficking syndicates. The women are kept separate from the buyers. It's crazy. It's a perfect storm. It is a perfect storm. Shame, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yeah. And, and the witchcraft thing is really real. It's a huge cultural thing there. And it's been going on for a minute. It's very ingrained. And it really is a big deal. The pressure to have a child is immense. And the pressure to not have a child if you're not married is immense. Yep. So they're screwed, like you said, Krista, both ways. Yeah. And then you get these middlemen stepping in that are like, we can capitalize on the situation and sell babies. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Miracle job. Yeah, and this is another situation. We'll see this echoed where religiously affiliated organizations are the ones that are running these baby farms and capitalizing on this extreme stigma to make a buck off of babies. Nigeria are of all religious denominations, Catholic. Everybody's there, except I don't know if the Mormons are. But everybody else is is wheeling and dealing down there in it. And Nigeria is the real deal, gang. It's like the wild, wild west. I've never been. Oh, well, I haven't either, but I've heard. So that's It's not like the Mesa. Maybe we don't have to go there. It's like we gotta check this shit out. Maybe we don't. No, maybe I don't. I you know, i I'll I'll go with what I'm told on that one. Okay. I'll go to Egypt. Ooh. Well maybe we do. I don't know. I do want to meet a real witch doctor. And I, well, when I went to school, when I went to school in Texas, I did meet a boy. His name was Simba, mm-hmm. and he came. I forget where it was, but like he lived in like a village, and he got to bring the spear and the lion carcass from the lion he killed. Spear when he turns thirteen. And now you got to fight the lion. Yeah, he got to. He brought that to school. That was pretty awesome. I feel bad that he got dropped off in Dallas, Texas. I wouldn't do it, but that was what they did when they turned thirteen. That's so badass. That is badass. But Mm. the yeah, the shaming part. And you know, it's really weird that having children is shameful, and not having children is shameful. What can we do right? You're a weirdo if you don't want to have children, but you're a weirdo if you want to have children, whether or not you're in a relationship. Why? Why should it matter? Yeah. It's complex. More complex <laughs> than I haven't, I guess I'll have to read more studies, but I know a lot more people are, no, there doesn't need to be any more children brought into the world right now. And I've done my duty. I'm done. Not bringing any more. <laughs> Cheers. I'm done too, Krista. Here's a word from our friends over at Old Timey Crimey. Hey, it's Old Timey Crimey. Do you like true crime? Do you like history? Do you think murder's just better in black and white? Come join us on Old Timey Crimey, where every week we sit down and talk about a crime history forgot. Or maybe a crime that history can't get enough of. From the classics, like Jack the Ripper, to the crimes you may never have heard of, like the Tottenham Outrage. 
we dig deep into the archives to give you the details you won't get anywhere else. And we'll probably use some filthy words in the process. Because the good old days weren't always so good. New episodes (laughs) every Friday, wherever you listen to podcasts. That's old, timey, crimey. interesting i will say the europeans and their nuns oh my god their nuns were bitches yeah i know i mean i was thinking about a whole like well what but i'm like those fucking nuns they're just like bitch like oh yeah they were physically abusive sexually abusive Mm -hmm. mentally abusive financially abusive somehow but oh gotta love god God's the only one I love. I fucking hate everyone else, they say. But yeah, so this all started following Franco's rise to power in 1939. Anti-fascists were being killed and their children were being placed in fascist homes or brought to the Catholic Church homes, which were run for children. So these were orphanages. The Catholic Church was a pillar for the fascist regime. Franco made it legal to list adoptive parents as birth parents on the child's birth certificate. Again, we're seeing this and it laid the groundwork for decades of widespread baby theft carried out through the churches and religiously affiliated hospitals in Spain. After Franco's death in 1976, amnesty was deemed to ease the transition to democracy, but this ongoing amnesty has blocked stolen baby cases from being investigated. And when we're talking about stolen baby cases, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of mothers who were told their babies had died. So right after the parents were put to death and the babies were moved into these homes, it just was, oh, this is like a really fucking profitable industry. Women who were unconventional parents who were leftists, they went to these hospitals, like the O'Donnell Hospital in Madrid, the worst one was the San Ramon Hospital, also in Madrid. But hundreds of thousands of mothers were told that their babies had died. They weren't allowed to like see them. They weren't allowed to go to their funerals. When a lot of these uh, graves were exhumed, adult bones were found, animal bones were found, no bones were found. The, where was it? The San Ramon Hospital actually kept this baby in the freezer in the basement, which when it was like raided and investigated, they found it. And this was the baby that they would like thaw and give to the parents to hold to say that their baby had died. And they're all, this baby feels like he just came out of a freezer. And <laughs> there's no way he's just dead and cold. But so they actually had the baby that they would give them. Oh, thaw the baby. But yeah, it was basically like these, the Franco regime installed the church and hospitals and schools and basically put them in a position to reallocate children from undesirable families to suitable families. Wow. Yeah, as many as 300,000 children were stolen in traffic. And yeah, this started during, you know, World War II times. Families are just... A lot of money changed hands as well, right? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It was quite profitable. And yeah, I mean, again, we're seeing this is all enabled by just it being easy to write the adoptive parent's name on the birth certificate. And then there you go. And oh... They got the recessive gene from my grandmother. That's why they have black hair instead of this. Or yeah, and yeah. you know, you gotta in the Victorian era, you gotta keep those waists cinched, <laughs> tight and right. Those hips gotta be wide for childbirthing, but don't childbirthing. <laughs> right, crushing the babies. But wear corsets while they were pregnant. That was crazy. they did. Yeah, that's insane. 
And we all our corset twelve. It's gonna be the shortest fucking episode. Although corsets are great, I do love a good corset. <laughs> it is. I mean, it. I mean, it all just depends on how tight you make it. Like, but we do also need to bring up that it was the Salvation Army that really started Mother Maternity Homes. I guess uh, in the United States, they were in the United States in the eighteen hundreds. Unfortunately, they started in Minneapolis. Ouch! Then in nineteen or eighteen eighty six, the rescue yep. home for the fallen. And the falling is now open for women who desire and are earnestly seeking salvation of their bodies and souls. Yeah, these were dealt as what build as women's places where they could go to be pregnant and give birth, not necessarily give up the baby, but 80% did end up surrendering their babies. And mothers reported that they did so under intense pressure. Or they were told their baby just died. And middle class women were targeted. This was they were bound by really strict stigmas and societal pressure. Again, it's all about the money. You don't make enough money to take care of this baby. How how are you going to do that? So why don't you just let us help you and we'll give this baby to somebody that has money and they'll take care of it. Well, the Salvation Army was interesting because you could see how supply and demand molded it where it didn't necessarily start off as a baby farm, but then... They're like, oh, this is profitable. Like post-World War II, there were so many families wanting to adopt that it actually caused a shift in these homes towards being extremely adoption-oriented. And um, they were able to justify the supply and demand with social engineering, deeming women unfit. Yep. And that, that was easy. I mean, if you look up the list of things that could get you put in the, huh. the asylum for a month or years or the rest of your life, mm-hmm. one of them was just pretty much being upset on your period you crazy dude i bleed for up to seven days leave me the fuck alone but they're like oh shit it's not dead it must be crazy it's either dead or insane like what's wrong with it it didn't die i bled for seven days and it didn't die dick it just got more angry but yeah, no, it is it is messed up how women get targeted in all of this because mm-hmm. some of them are abused women mm-hmm. and then they're just forced in. They're vulnerable to begin with because they were abused women mm-hmm. or even children, minors. And then they're forced into an even more mentally abusive situation where they're put to blame mm-hmm. as to why they got pregnant. And they're, you know, they're to blame for this. And now they're to blame for this child being brought into this world. We saw in Nigeria, you've got social workers lying to these mothers in the Salvation Army, telling them that once they agreed to adoption, they had no legal way to change their mind after the baby's born. But that's 100% not true. Women were pressured not to even talk about their pregnancy through this. So it's just something you don't talk about. It's And like, if you don't talk about it, you can't have advocacy. And the advocacy that you do have, they usually have to be in secret because it'll it's harmful to them. Uh-huh. And all this shit would be so much easier if we just laid eggs. I mean, I'm down. I can sit on it or I could throw it at a wall. Or no, like I'll I'll put it over here. Just like fish. I'll put it over here. I mean, we've evolved enough to get incubators. Like, hey, I laid my egg. Like, do you want to fertilize it? No, cool. Husband over there jerking off on the egg. Like I guess we're going to like a backup generator in case the power goes out or the power goes out. It's quick set on it. Oh my God, that, that would be a weird announcement. I masturbated on the egg, babe. We're having a baby. It was finally time, sweetheart. Or if we did the sponge thing where we butted, you know, you're over there and he's over there and you just go, and then there's, and then like 
in a couple months you find a baby growing under the couch or something or if we just lay eggs i feel the fact of like consenting to have children would be a lot easier because if like you if the guy has to literally go and like jack up <laughs> on the egg instead of get the like pleasure p- pleasurable part of it I feel like a lot of possible, I mean, I'm not saying things would end, but I feel a lot of byproduct of those certain things. Well, it would definitely, I think it would shift. It would be like, oh, she was asking for it. She put her egg, like, right out there. She left her egg out on purpose. (laughs) I didn't mean to. Like, I wasn't thinking, Sean. I wasn't, I didn't mean anything by it. I didn't want you to jerk off on I didn't know you jerk off on the dining room table. Like, Bad habit. I gotta like hide your eggs from them if you don't want to get pregnant. Like leave them out if you do. Maybe put it in their beer cooler. <laughs> like you're ready. And, uh, what is it that fucking show? The future is wild. Where they're this is what the future is gonna look like, and there's gonna be like giant elephant-sized turtles roving across the plain, and like swamp octopuses. That's that's that. What just happened was our version of that. <laughs> was such a good show. You remember that show? Oh, I remember watching that show with you. That was so much fun. I do, though. One one last thing. I think the egg-laying process, it would be... Like, if anybody's ever seen the movie Home, when the little blue aliens in the booth, he, they're, oh, I go to the bathroom, and he's like, there's number one and number two, but number three? Oh, you gotta take a day off for that one. <laughs> I feel like the egg-laying situation. And number three. Number three today. Don't fuck with me. Here's some chocolate and some wine and run away. But what if you hit the egg and nobody can find the egg and nobody knows? What do we do? I mean, I guess, then wouldn't that make us more like birds? Like, hey, we get called chickens anyways by them disrespectful people. So there we go. And you can recklessly fertilize it. Go for it. This is the future as wild, folks. I hope this is the future. Shit. Tell stories of the good old days. Oh, speaking of the good old days. now, sorry. We're, we're going back to Ireland. We're going back to, well, this is the most uh, recent revelation. Since the first, what, three times we tried recording this episode, some new information's come to light. So it's a crime, juicy, divine timing thing that happens. So, so. I'm going to read a quote from Mr. Martin, who is the Speaker for the Parliament of Ireland. This is from Mr. Martin, who is the Parliament Speaker for Ireland right now. This quote was from January 21st of this year. We did this to ourselves as a society. We treated women especially badly. We treated children extremely badly. We had a complete warped attitude to sexuality and intimacy and young mothers and their sons and daughters. We forced to pay terrible prices for that dysfunction. As a society, we embraced judgmentalism, moral certainty, a perverse religious morality and control, which was so damaging. But what was very striking was the absence of basic kindness, end quote. The Irish, the Scottish, but they're pretty stoic when it comes to things. And it's huge. Yeah, I feel like he did a pretty, a really good job. And he also highlights some of the misogyny behind what was done to these women and children. It was a pretty big news story. Ireland pretty much apologized for over 9,000 
babies being murdered and or adopted wrongfully or just died because of neglect. Between the years uh, 1922 and 1998, 1998 is when baby mother homes, they finally shut down in 1998. But dude, like abortion just got legalized in Ireland in 2019. In 2015. It's also sanctioned by Britain. Okay. Mm -hmm. And kind of the coalition between those those two places is huge on what Mm -hmm. happened. And. Uh That was covered up. I, I also want a, an apology from someone in the British Parliament because I feel they need to take responsibility as well. They're the ones that had the final checkbook. In 2015, the Irish government set up the Mother and Baby Homes Commission of Investigation to launch an official investigation into these homes and the affiliated Magdalene Laundries. These institutions were run mostly by Catholic nuns, although there were also Protestant homes that did the same thing, where unwed mothers were sent to deliver their babies. These mothers were referred to very legally if it was their first time they were quote-unquote first-time offenders and the likes, very criminalized for being pregnant. The point where these were kind of treated as internments. The Magdalene laundries were where a lot of these women were sent to work and a lot of them were stuck there for decades and many died there. Having babies out of wedlock was basically criminalized. They were interned and forced to give up their babies. Some of these women even tried to adopt their babies after they you know, to buy their babies back. And they were barred from doing this because they were treated as being morally contagious. They were separated from the rest of the population. This started in workhouses when unwed mothers were coming to workhouses and they started being separated from the general population because they would infect the others with their immorality or whatever. The living conditions were horrible. The women were treated awful, and the bodies of almost 800 babies were found in a mass grave behind just one of these homes. Then the final report of the commission that was just released January uh, 2021 found that, yeah, 9,000 children died between the years of 1922 and 1998. That's double the infant mortality rate of the general population, and one in seven of these children born in the 18 institutions that were investigated died. If all these babies are dying, how are they being farmed? Well, they were also being adopted out. You've got this situation where the women are enslaved. They're working at these laundries for free. Some children are put in orphanages and they were getting paid by the state to have these children. When the children died, they were given five pounds per baby to bury them. But instead of giving them a proper burial, they were the ones the ones that were just found the 800 mass grave. They were actually found in this uh, decommissioned septic tank. They weren't burying them properly. They were just pocketing the money. They're making money off of the women who were alive, the babies who died. And then they were making money adopting out the other kids. The ones that were when they would get to see the parents, they'd be all cleaned up. But. These babies were left in cribs that had two, three babies in them. They Mm -hmm. maybe got their diapers changed once, maybe twice a day if it was bad enough. Left to cry. No actual human interaction or touch. Only when it came to feeding time, but after they were able to hold it for themselves, they didn't care. Massive neglect. And women who got pregnant in Ireland and fled the country were actually kidnapped and brought back. It was called the Crusade of Rescue. And 
they like women would be kidnapped from overseas and brought back to be interned in these homes for unwed mothers and forced to sign adoption papers. It was absolutely horrific. And just for that, I mean, it. And it just ended like 1998. Yeah. Yesterday. That was yesterday. Not even that long ago. Also for the children that were adopted out, some of them don't even know they were adopted. And then now they might know. And they're, let's say you were born in 1998. Oh, I guess you're, you know, you've been able to drink for a while. But like, you know, finding out that, oh, oh, maybe I was like severely neglected and didn't get that, you know, skin to skin when I was an infant. So maybe that's why I have all these issues <laughs> adopted from one of these places. It's traumatizing. It is. And, you know, I know a lot of people are like, oh, babies, they learn quick. But the things that they learn do stick with them. It it's crazy. They mm-hmm. are sponges. Let's not forget about good old America. Oh, America! Yeah, yeah. The Salvation Army. Joan Crawford adopted her baby from an illegal adoption ring in Louisiana. Or was that Louisiana or Tennessee? Tennessee, I think it was. I think it was Tennessee. Yep. She got her first daughter from the one in Tennessee. A lot of celebrities illegally adopted their babies. Women in Tennessee. There was also the Life and Health Sanitarium in the 1920s. These were uh, butterbox babies. These women were made to pay eight dollars a week. Their babies, and then so there was eight dollars a week to stay there. Five hundred dollars for maternity services, and then their babies would be sold on the black market for up to ten thousand dollars. That's better than Amway. Yep. At any time, there would be between eighty to one hundred and twenty-five babies in the house, and between eight hundred to fifteen hundred babies were born between nineteen twenty-eight and nineteen forty-six. The ones that did not survive, they did find buried in butter boxes, and I don't know, like, if anybody. I mean, obviously, I'm not old enough to remember getting butter and milk and things delivered back in the day, but your butter would be delivered just like your milk in a crate. And so these babies were put in them, and most of them were minorities that were killed off. But then these women would be in debt because they were already single women in a bad way. So then they would end up working there for the rest of their lives as well. Wow. And then you got the ICE detention centers and Bethany Christian services. Remember all of those uh, kids that were unaccounted for from the ICE detention centers? <laughs> Basically, um, Bethany Christian services, it's based out of Ohio, operates a network of foster care and adoption agencies around the country. And their hustle was to file abandonment charges against the parents in these ICE detention centers after six months of no contact and seize guardianship of the children that were separated from their parents, and then adopt them out for as high as $50,000 a piece. And in 2017 alone, Bethany Christian Services processed 182 detainee children. That was a tough pill to swallow. Not to name names, but the Betsy DeVoe and her husband contributed over $275,000 to Bethany Christian Services over the course of four years. You got a big mess over there. And again, you see what we see in Malaysia where the money trail goes all the way to the top. And you also see a faith-based charity. And you also basically see like the parents completely dehumanized and put in a position where they didn't want to be separated from their children, but they were, and they were being forced to stay away from their children for long enough for 
these guys to swoop in and take custody. It's just another part of our corrupt CPS system. And that's how you get Mexican Joker. (laughs) Thank you, Parker and Stone. We love you. (laughs) Call us. Again, a lot of these situations aren't counted in the human trafficking number because it's just this complex process of making it a gray area, kind of legal, state sanctioned, that sort of thing. Here in America, you might not qualify for a baby, but sure as hell qualify for a baby over there. <laughs> and it's it's messed up because I don't know. I know the adoption pro- It's a beautiful thing. I think it is amazing that people are given that opportunity. And I think it is awesome that there are agencies out there that do legitimate background checks. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, they do overlook some really great people that would be the most amazing parents ever. And if given the chance, they would do anything to get a baby. So it, it it's great. Add, it, yep, add the money. and. It's great in that sense that some of those children do end up in great situations because those parents took the risk to branch out from the traditional way of adopting a child. Uh Not saying it was safe, not saying it was legal. And yes, you might end up with a child that has more physical or illnesses than you would if you went through certain agencies either Uh way either here in America or in other, through other countries, because there are legal ways in every country. But there's also those shitty people that are training them to be sex slaves for the rest of their lives. Yeah, some uh, themes that, you know, really stood out were, you know, shitty abortion and reproductive rights laws, rigid adoption laws, massive stigmatization of being an unwed mother. And I think it all boils down to social control. And I think that's what we're seeing with CPS in this country, what we see, you know, in general, it's you stay in line or we'll take your baby. It's the scariest thing. My one son, he likes to not wear coats in Mm -hmm. the winter, even when it's really cold out and snowing and walk to the bus stop. Someone's going to call the cops. And they'll come to my house and tell me that I'm neglecting my child, even though that child has four coats or, you know, and then I have, I personally have seen situations where it was just one incident and parent, someone's going to parent shame you. Yes. But something happens. I always hope it's going to go wrong. Something might go wrong. Just be prepared, but it could be the smallest thing. And these people are fighting for these children fighting for their children to come back to them. And it's the smallest thing that's keeping their kid from them. And they're not doing anything wrong. But then you see people where the children are being molested in their home or there's active drug use or the child is being forced to do drugs to be sold or whatever by their parent to fuel their drug addiction. But they're doing everything in their power to give that child back to that person who is doing nothing to get better. Why? Or it's very one-sided where a father can't get the children. So they need to figure it out. Let people adopt kids that deserve it. Not just because they have the money or a stable job. That doesn't mean they're stable. And let people get abortions for fuck's sake. A lot of this is just controlling women to control culture and to control society. You're seeing women forced into situations where they're being exploited because of shitty rights like just not having rights to have a say over their body and their choices and being stigmatized into this or that it's just the patriarchy trying to keep us in line that's all make sure we're keeping our shit together oh we gotta smack some on this side on the (laughs) app 
kind of smacks them over there, kind of smacks them over here. Kind of think of it as animal products, animal byproducts. When we look at these baby farms where like the women are exploited for labor, whether it's sexual labor or domestic labor or physical labor, you know, they're getting free work out of the women or not necessarily free work in the cases of the brothels, but they're getting work out of the women that they're profiting off of. And then they're getting profits off of the kids that they make. And it's just a way of maximizing your profits through selling people. So just like, I mean, because at that point, people look at it as a product. Animals, we'll say. Dairy farms. They Mm -hmm. keep cows pregnant to produce the milk, to sell the milk. And then sometimes use their children to produce the meat, whatever. Mm -hmm. I eat meat. I don't believe in those practices. It's awful for the animal. And the byproduct of that is also awful for you to consume. Eat how you want. But please make sure that if you are going to, if I owned a farm and I had a cow and I knew I was going to slaughter it, I would give it the best life it had. I would make sure it did everything it wanted to do. I live down the street from this college that raises like sheep and cows and stuff for for meat. It's part of their like work co-op process. And those cows, it's so funny. There's jokes where it's like, oh yeah, those cows, they're massaged by lesbians every single day. And yeah, yeah like I would make sure that cow had the best life ever. Yeah. And I, I know these like meat analogies are really difficult to grasp, but there's definitely, I mean, there's a lot of cross, there's, there. it's, it's a hard analogy to swallow and it's hard because, you know, it's, yeah. And, you know, also it's just like, so puppies, they do this to cats too. There's not as many stats on cat mills, like the Persian cats or the Sphinx cats or the hairless cats. And I, I don't know why. But there's definitely an underground market for cats. Yeah, because cats cats can take care of themselves. I mean, for the most part, they kind of figure it out. They, yeah, I mean, cats choose to let, because they're, you're going to continue to feed me? Okay, but just know it's on my terms. I will leave tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, if you let me out, like, I want to get out there. I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll be top cat. I'll be top cat real fast. Right? But, like, puppies and dogs in general, puppy mills, are, are an issue, which there are there are certain situations in human trafficking where people are purposely made to make babies to sell to other human traffickers. So there are those situations. And in puppy mills, about half of puppies live only to 12 weeks, which happens in, which happened in a lot of those situations. <laughs> It's done illegally. There's more than 10,000 plus facilities throughout the United States alone done illegally. And these are for your your expensive ass dogs, your your German Shepherds, your Dobermans, little itty bitty teacup, freaking whatever. More than likely they sat in their shit because people are just awful. And, but you bought it for as much money because you wanted it, right? Just like how people will buy babies that are completely... And totally illegal. Right off the catalog. Because they want it. There's over 4.3 million puppies born mm-hmm. in the year or every year in puppy Better mills. Girl. Yes, illegal puppy mills. They're, it's it's a sickening thing. And I I've even seen it. And it's 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 really sick. Just imagine that people treat human children that way. Mm-hmm. No, I mean I love my fur baby. He is like my child. I coddle him. I hold him like a baby. 
he is the neediest kid. <laughs> is my he is he is my fourth child, you know. But I'm just I, I guess I'm just trying to make that comparison because some people see humans and animals as different things. <laughs> but animals have feelings, they have emotions, they also have PTSD and traumas, just like humans do. And people are treating humans the same way that if they think of animals less than that way, just money. The mechanics of the situation are the exact same. Mm -hmm. Yes. I I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I I always stumble over my words when it comes to that because I'm trying not to like get too emotional and angry. Because this is an emotional subject. Yeah. One of the... It's funny, we're, we're ending the season on two crying episodes, but this is an episode in particular that was very hard for all three of us. And I think that's why it took so many tries to to get it right, because it's it's a really hard one. And it uh, makes you face a lot of the darkest parts of what's happening to people on this planet. And bringing up Tennessee again, we've got a huge problem in Tennessee with people selling their children for drugs. They had to do a whole department, a whole separate department for this. And wow. it's a human trafficking from family, which is a that's a whole other freaking crazy. The addiction is a hard topic in general because everybody has different views. The depths that people will go to to get that fix. If certain things happen to them, the depravity that they would let happen to their own children, because at that point, nothing matters. It's like being possessed. Because, like, something else is kind of using your vessel to further itself. You're in the spaceship, but you ain't driving. Yeah. And it's not, like, mental. Well, it is a mental thing, but it's more like you allowed that darkness into your life and you then you allowed it to control you. We're going to probably cover some more human trafficking topics, maybe one a season because they're really, really hard. And I think they're really close to all of us between personal experiences and people that we know. Well, and that was the other thing in investigating, I don't know if we're, but in researching this, discovered that we're all a lot more closer to human trafficking than we think. And yeah. I think that's that's why it was really difficult for us all. Yeah. If it's not in your face, like I was sold for sex. There's so many facets. And we did touch on some of those facets in our sex trafficking episode that there are <laughs> different types of sex trafficking. The circling background to the big consent thing about human trafficking is these kids, kids don't consent. Consent doesn't just extend to sex. It extends to this entire situation. You can be exploited without someone fucking you. The mother's consent was broken. There was a fuck ton of coercion. They were all lied to. They were all pressured. The kids obviously didn't get a say in it. And the homes broke the law by lying. Half of the time, the doctors that delivered these children weren't even doctors. They were just people that were there. Well, that's why so many women died in the the Irish homes for mothers and babies, because a lot of them, these women were treated like garbage because they defiled themselves by having premarital sex. They weren't given, a lot of them weren't given painkillers during childbirth. A lot of them died in childbirth. A lot of, there was a lot of complications because they just, and then the kids were shunned in the schools and stuff that they went to. They were treated like they're away people. The reason we're all we're going to end on Ireland for a positive note. And 
it does because that apology is huge especially from a man well there's like england and then there's the rest of continental europe and remember when i went to england i was 20 made the mistake of hugging people they're like the fuck are you doing like what they do in public as to what they do on tv or how they will use it to describe certain situations or feelings in in art and in television i guess that's that's where people are like wait what they're okay with that being on tv but you can't wait what you know so but the fact that that a man apologized that way and it 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 meant something i'm sure he had some help because I'm, that's a hard speech to write. Like how, I I think even for a woman, it would have been hard to write. You know, there's a really good book called The Art of a Great Apology or something like that. We read it in this rhetoric class in college, but it was basically looked at famous apologies throughout history. It looked at Clinton. It looked at like all those televangelists. It looked at a fuck ton of people. And it picked apart like what goes into a good apology, what goes into a bad apology. The good apologies are what, it's when responsibility for one's actions are taken and excuses aren't made and hard truths are acknowledged. The Catholic Church also in Ireland apologized for their role. In so this come on, situation. England, we're waiting on you. I have three kids and I'm going to be 33. I had my first son young. And some people were like, oh my God, you're so young. But not that long ago in American society, it was okay to be married when you were 15 and start giving children. Not that long ago. So that's a good point to bring back up. I, I'm not saying that it was right, but culturally it was functional. I mean, yes, life, everyone would be like, oh, but lifespan this, lifespan that. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, if you think about it, all the shit that they're putting in our bodies now is going to start killing us faster than it did before. Honestly, I'm dreading the the 35-year-old pregnancy. I wish I had had kids when it would have been easier in my body. You know, I I was actually... You're in good health, though, Becca. Yeah, you're in good health. I'm going to be an old mom. I'm not going to have the energy to keep up with them. (laughs) Oh, you will. I got coffee. I got coffee. I got this. You know, as, as exhausting as they are, just the... And I understand why people would illegally adopt children. It's amazing to watch watch that happen, that evolution of a person, watch their personality and watch all of that. And I guess with legal adoption, you do get the fact of kind of knowing the parent or getting more medical. Mm-hmm. Because that is important. Medical it is. Is important. Medical history is important in this day and age. You need to know. It's extremely important because not only does it t- dictate your organ functions your brain too any mental illness is good to know as well yeah and that's another consent thing that got brought up when i was watching the documentaries about spain and um, ireland is these people were denied the right to their own medical history that's true becca i'm glad you brought that up that is wrong yeah right and it could then that could have been avoided they didn't have to erase the parents they didn't have to like i mean all you have to do is you Maybe not the name or their birth date, mm-hmm. but pass oh, that the information along. At the same time, people don't want a broken baby. People don't want... Except for the begging broken. rings. Except for the begging rings. They definitely want broken babies. Well, and if they're, if they're pretty when they come, they're not. They're going to make them unpretty. And it's really sad. <laughs> that... mm. Well, a whole lot of baby talk, y'all. 
it should be easier to adopt children to the right type of people. And it should also be easier to make that choice if you were put in a precarious situation where it was not your consent to even be pregnant. And that, and that's another way of shifting the blame of forgetting rape onto women because it's all right now this is your consequence. Don't even get me started on the states that allow your rapist to claim parental rights and then you have to share custody with your rapist. Oh gosh, and that's how poisonings happen. <laughs> that's how PTSD and suicides and you know fun stuff happen and murder. Women murder. That's how women. That's why <laughs> one of the reasons. I killed my rapist. Oh, Vansa, thank you all so much for sticking with us for our first season. We really appreciate you. We've all been like, all three of us have, we produce, we do every part of this process and we've been learning on the fly and we really appreciate y'all being here with us. We're going to take a break, but we're going to be back for season two. Stick with us on Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash gang. We've got interviews with experts in the field of all things investigation coming out for you. We got some more royally twisted miniseries episodes. And follow us on our uh, Facebook page, Crime Juicy, or our Facebook group, Crime Juicy. Also our Instagram handle, Crime Juicy, where you can see pictures of our pets. And get updates about what we're working on for season number two and more bonus content. Let us know what you want out of season number two. We are putting together a topics list and we would love to hear from you about what you want us to talk about. So cults, crimes, controversy, whatever. Cryptids. I love cryptids. We all really like cryptids. We do love us some serial killers and cults and crime. But we also love getting to know people. Armchair investigation is great, but when we do our interviews, we get to know those people as well. If you enjoy that, let us know or what kind of people you would like us to try to um, get interviews with. Or if you have any ideas of shows that you think we would, you know, vibe with, Mm -hmm. tag us, tag them. We'll see what we can do. We love you. Stay juicy, y'all. Love it. Oh, goodness. That. Thanks for joining us today, gang. If you like what you hear, leave us a review. Share it with your friends. Go find us on Patreon under Crime Juicy Gang, where you can subscribe and get way more content, awesome interviews with awesome people, and a little bit more behind the juice so you can see how we get this process done for all of you. Also, see us on Instagram and Facebook at Crime Juicy. Bring your juice.